Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing well today, Ralph. You know, I've had some feedback on the uh, last one that we did on happiness. And, uh, you know, we were talking about how you should avoid, like, negative news. Right. Well, somebody said, you guys were pretty upbeat in that one. You're, you know, you're sort of strange anyway, but that was a good, a good uh, um, podcast. Can you do more of them? Yeah, but you know, before you get back to axe murderers and, and mass <laughs> shooters. And I said, yeah, I think we can figure out some ways of, of talking about happiness or how to make a person, you know. I, how to make your life better. How to make your life better, okay. At the last one, you started by talking about monitoring your energy. And another thing that, that I think about when we talk about change is that with like with Seligman, I don't know how he changed from being a pessimist and grumpy to being an optimist and smiley, but I bet it was gradually. I yeah. bet he made small incremental changes. So, you know, as you take a look at your life, and you know, one of the things we mentioned last week was uh, to get exercise. You know, when they say 150 minutes divided yeah. by seven, it's about 20 minutes, 22, 23 minutes a day. But if you're a confirmed couch potato, like the person you talked about last week, uh, 20 minutes might be too much per day. And so um, maybe start with five minutes, right? Right. Do something. Okay. Do something, yeah. Okay. So, you know, one of the things that, there, there's an old saying that people naturally resist change. The so, only person that want, likes change is the wet baby, right? Right. Okay. And so this, the thing with that is, yeah, people resist change. If you say to them, change your habits, change your life, change the way you see the world, one of the things that is going to be... I'm going to change my friends. Yeah, <laughs> overwhelming to them is they're going to say, I can't make all those changes, I can't do that. Well, no, you can't do that, but you can make small incremental changes. Okay. Um, so, for example, um, one of the things that you can do, now I say this as a confirmed coffeeholic, I love my coffee in the morning, but uh, my wife has gotten me in the habit of drinking a glass of warm water um, first thing before I have coffee. You know, Sheila's mentioned that too, and apparently it kind of sets your body's clock to absorb more water during the day, right? It does, and the other thing it does, I think, is, you know, my morning coffee was always two cups to try and wake up. Well, now with the water habit, uh, it's more of a treat. To have the coffee? To have the coffee. It's less like I desperately need this coffee just to get my heart started. Uh -huh. It's more like, okay, yeah, this is good. Okay. And uh, we would mention that most of us are chronically dehydrated, right? Right. So getting that cup, uh, glass of water first thing 
primes you for the rest of the day. And Sheila says to put something in it uh, so that your body recognizes it as water, like a tiny bit of fruit juice, or she puts a little salt in it, I think, to hydrate the water. Okay. Okay, so here we are. We have a glass of water beside our bed, and we're going to you know, drink it first thing as we pop out of bed, right? Right, and yeah. And lots of us don't pop out of bed. We oh, out of bed. Okay. And then we look at the bed. So one of the things, and, and this, uh, this comes from a Navy SEAL, uh, an admiral, who um, he did said, a TED Talk on this. He did. And what he said was, make your bed first thing every morning. Yeah. Now, what was the idea behind making your bed? I mean, I do, but what did he think? Well, he thought that making your bed was important because if you went to your job and everything that day turned to crap, uh, when you came home, at least you would have a made bed. You would have accomplished something concrete. Okay, yeah. I got it. I get First it thing in the morning, you make your bed, you come home, you say, well, yeah, at least... At least I'm not going into bed in rumpled sheets and, you know. Uh, it's a good idea. And I'll see if I can find that uh, TED Talk. It was quite a while ago, but um, it was a pretty interesting one. Um, now, the other thing is most of us tend to take our life for granted. You know, uh, do we have a good life? Well, yeah, kind of, maybe, some of the time. But if you start deliberately looking at your life and saying, what are three things I'm grateful for? Every morning. Develop an attitude of gratitude, yeah. I mean, besides the fact that you're on the, what's, what's the, the meme? You're on the correct side of the grass? Yeah. Okay, yeah. But yeah, what do you, what do you, uh, grateful for. Now, I'm an immigrant to the United States. So am I. And, you know, one of the things that I can actually say that I'm grateful for is the country that I live in right now. Yeah. You know, lots of people complain about it, but uh, you know, I'm quite happy being an American citizen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, the interesting thing to me about that is a lot of us end up grossing and grumping about politics or the way our state is run or whatever. Uh, but when you look at what's happening, for example, in the southern border, and you say, well, that's terrible. We've got all these immigrants who are coming in. Why do people come to the U.S.? Same yes. reason you and I came, right? Because it's the best country in the world. Land of opportunity. Yeah, so you could... Instead of grossing about the politics, you could you know, just take that as one of the things. You know, are you gr grateful for your spouse? You know, yeah. yeah. Are you grateful for where, where you live in the... In the uh, you live in town, and you're a, you are a town mouse, Ralph. Right. I, I live kind of in the country, and my kids have identified me as a, the country mouse. Right. Yeah. And so, I, I, don't, I would not be happy on... The street that you're on, and I don't think you and Karen would be happy where I am. 
Maybe not. I mean, yeah. I would be ha more happy than uh, she would be, I think, just because yeah. I'm, I'm more... Uh, I guess uh, what I'm just trying to say is we can express gratitude for where we are yeah, in a small way. You know, I, I really like the house that I live in, and uh, I have just for uh, whatever interest it is for our listeners... I have the oldest and biggest red uh, white pine tree uh, in the county in my front yard. <laughs> it's a scary looking tree sometimes, Ralph. <laughs> yeah, it leans over at about a 30 degree angle, yeah. but uh, the forester said it's well rooted and it's not going to fall down and it's a very healthy tree. So okay. I'm happy. Okay. Now, last week we talked about some things that you could do early in the day. And one was exercise, and another was to meditate. And I mentioned that Sheila and I did um, uh, read devotionals and then talked about the devotional of, you know, of the day. Um, so that's something you know that you could start your day with. Um, let's see. And you could end your day kind of the same way, you know, reading yep. something. Yeah, to help you settle down. Now, you know, one of the things that uh, the statistics support is that, by and large, people today don't read. They don't read for pleasure. Huh. Well, I go into a house like your house, and you've got, you know, 10,000 books around. Are you is it just decoration, or are you guys reading them? We are reading them, and we're reading them for pleasure. But that also says that um, one of the things that we do quite deliberately is all electronics are turned off in our house at 9 o'clock at night. Okay, that makes some sense. And we sit and read. We read different things, but we sit and read for about an hour before we go to bed. Okay. Well, and what that does is it allows our minds to settle out and kind of filter out whatever has been seen electronically uh, so that that's not in the forefront of our mind. Now, Jim, you, you have done a fair amount of academic work with sleep. And I know that one of the purposes of sleep is to allow your mind to take the events of the past day and sort them and put them in their proper place, whatever mm -hmm. their proper place is. Yeah, sometimes the proper place is the discard pile. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, it's a consolidation of what's gone on during the uh, previous eight, ten hours when you're awake. So what happens if people only get four hours sleep instead of eight? Okay, a couple things. One, they don't get the stage four sleep, the delta sleep that they really need. Uh, now you go through sleep in cycles. So the first 90 minutes or so, you're, you've gone from being awake to kind of being in the twilight zone to being into light sleep. And that's where it's easy to wake people up. The next um, uh, 90 minute cycle, you're into deeper sleep. So, okay, we've got two 90 minute cycles here. So, unless my math is wrong, it's three hours. 
Right. So three hours, you get into kind of a moderate, uh, moderate heavy sleep. Uh, so you, another 40, uh, 90 minute cycle, that's now four and a half hours. That the amount of time that a lot of my kids that I see clinically, that's when they get to sleep. They're getting into a somewhat deeper sleep, a theta sleep. Uh, but they're not getting into the deep, restful delta sleep until maybe the fourth uh, sleep cycle. Okay. So, a couple of things happen. Uh, they're not getting much in the way of REM sleep either, rapid eye movement sleep. Okay. Which is associated with dreaming. And so, you know, without REM sleep, uh, people can people who have been deprived of REM sleep experimentally have developed psychotic-like symptoms, and we need to, to be able to dream some things. So, people who don't get much sleep or enough sleep are, uh, well, first of all, they're sleepy in the daytime. They need right. that two cups of coffee to wake up and get up. But they're also, from a uh, an emotional point of view, quite deprived of the richness uh, that's associated with dreaming. Okay, so one of the things then that we can say is that, you know, it's not, um, it's not just us saying you need to get adequate sleep and rest. The research shows if you don't get it, uh, you are likely to be significantly less functional. Right, right. Uh, someone I know has had sleep problems all her life, and just recently she has started to have a, a CPAP machine, which mm -hmm. is, and uh, when they did a sleep study on her, uh, she was having, I think, 130 apneas a night where she would stop breathing. 130, that, that's for 10 seconds. Well, you can do the math on that, and you can see there's a lot of potential oxygen deprivation there. But now, since being able to to sleep through without stopping, without you know stopping breathing, uh, it's really affected her not physical health, but her emotional health as well. Okay, so, so it makes sense that yeah. if you're not deprived of oxygen, that things in your brain settle out more normally. Mm-hmm. Well. You know, we're talking about ways to make your life better, and uh, one of the things that uh, I think is really important is to have a plan for your life. You know, okay. know what you're going to do during the day, okay, or during the week, or maybe even you know during the year. A lot of people poo-poo the idea of uh, New Year's resolutions because most people don't keep them. I think we talked about in a recent podcast, well, probably it was last January, how to make sure you can keep your New Year's resolutions, right? Yeah, and one of the things that, you know, a lot of people make as New Year's resolutions is, oh, I'm going to give up all my bad habits, I'm going to quit smoking, I'm going to moderate my drinking, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, you know, those those are all admirable, but they're not likely to be the thing that you keep. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, like, particularly if you try to take three bad habits and give them all up at once. Okay. So, you know, prioritize, decide what you want to do. And uh, like we, we were talking last week with uh, 
Dr. Seligman, probably uh, change incrementally yeah. so that you can be successful. You know, we talked at the beginning of the podcast about making your bed. You know, one of the things that, that occurs to me is that if you had just this terrible, crummy day, you can come back home, your bed's made, and at least you've got some small thing that you've been successful at, right? Right. Okay. Now, one of the other things, and, and this maybe applies mostly to uh, females, is a lot of us need more practice at saying no. So Okay, boundary setting, right? Yeah, you have a set of values, Jim. I have a set of values, and I think ours are pretty congruent. But there are lots of times that people will say to us, um, I want you to do this. And it's not congruent with our values. It doesn't align with them. But we might end up doing it anyway? Yeah, just to, to be obliging. Okay. So you have to look at every request that you get and say, does that align with my values? Is that part of who I see myself as? And if it's not, say, no, I'm not interested in doing that. Okay, good good point. Now, you said you thought this uh, uh, was reflective more of females than males? Yeah, and in general, uh, Females are uh, higher in agreeableness. So when we look at the big five, mm -hmm. um, the personality traits, uh, agreeableness is one, and women tend to score higher in it. Okay. I don't, I get you. You and I would score like zero on agreeableness, right, Ralph? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, although we're not necessarily grumpy like Seligman to the point that our daughters say to us, why are you always grumpy? But we're not generally um, pushovers for somebody to say, I want you to do this. No, I don't think so. I'm going to give us one more to, okay. before we sign off. And this is something that uh, my brother-in-law, Chuck, uh, talked about. And uh, he's, he's gone now. He died. But one of the things that he tried to do was to do... A, what he called a random act of kindness every day. Just okay. something out of the blue, you know, that maybe phoning somebody up and saying, you know, how are you doing? Or, you know, I have, don't have a list of what everything Chuck did. I can remember one time we were uh, at his house and uh, we were having spaghetti. He had made some spaghetti. And he said, Jim, can I see your glasses? So I gave him my glasses and he went and got a some glass cleaner and cleaned off my glasses. Oh, yeah. You know, and just gave them back to me. No big deal, like, oh, you've got dirty glasses or anything like that. He just, I had grubby glasses, and now I don't have grubby glasses. Okay, you know? makes sense to me, yeah. uh, you know. So, and he would do things, you know, like that. Now, he had his, his moments, you know, he wasn't always doing random acts of kindness. Sometimes he could be a bit of a challenge. But, you know, I think... The doing that for him might have, uh, uh, oh, I don't know what it did, it enhanced his feeling if, of... If nothing else made him feel better. Yeah. 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 It didn't really matter if I had grubby glasses or not. It made him feel better, right? Right. Okay. Well, 
Do you have any words of wisdom to end with, Ralph? Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, I have just made a, a non-New Year's resolution. Uh, there's a corner of my basement that is pretty cluttered and uh, desperately needs cleaning, and it has for two months. And I'm going to go home this afternoon and declutter that, because I can't declutter my whole house and take all my books and put them away in the right spot and yada yada but I can declutter that little corner so that's what I'm going to do Well, in the words of Ralph, go ahead and declutter something. Whether you need to or not. <laughs> and remember, keep your stick on the ice. Because we're all in this together. together.